Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. We are 21 days, Rick. How many? 21. Seven times three. <laughs> away from the 2023 NFL Draft. This is with the first pick, the CBS Sports NFL Draft Podcast. This is episode 34. I'm Ryan Wilson. That was Rick Spielman you heard there. Our general manager who has more than 30 years of NFL experience, including a decade as the Vikings GM. And today we are joined by CBS Sports NFL Draft analyst Josh Edwards. Which can only mean, Rick, it's another mock draft Thursday. That's yeah, right. I, had a, I had a tough time sleeping last night. This one's <laughs> going to be interesting. This is going to be inter- interesting. Uh, we're going to go through all 31 picks in the first round and hang around till the end, guys. You don't know this because we're going to get, we're going to make some picks for the five teams that don't have first rounders. So stick around to find out how that plays out. And in case you missed it, on Monday, Rick and I had a great conversation with former Vikings head, athletic trainer, and director of sports medicine Eric Sugarman. And on Wednesday. Oh, good old Petey Pancakes. Pete Prisco and Leger Doosable joined us to go through our top five offensive linemen and tight ends in the class. You can check out both those episodes in the feed. As always, you can watch us live on uh, YouTube at NFL on CBS. And be sure to subscribe and leave us a comment. Give us a thumbs up and drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like the show, tell a friend. All right, guys. Ryan, before we get started, yeah. has there been a sighting from Debo anywhere? You, you know, we were in a text story with him yesterday and I asked for pictures and he sent back a, uh, a photograph of him drinking what looked like a 48-ounce uh, fruity drink on the beach somewhere. <laughs> Undisclosed location, but he looked to be having a good time. I don't know if he's coming back. Thomas is producing with us today. That might be bad news for you, my man. So uh, <laughs> buckle up. <laughs> Josh, how are you doing, man? Doing well. Um, we haven't started the mock draft yet, so I can't say that, uh, you know, I need a break or anything like that. But, yeah, I mean, doing well. We got three weeks here until the draft. So uh, three we're weeks, how many days? 21 right. days until yeah, the 2023 right. NFL draft. If you don't know the exact days left until the draft. You got to know that. That's that's the biggest part of being an evaluator, apparently. Josh, you have to know the days. All right, well, let's get right into it. I'm going to go through all 31 picks and then the extra picks at the end there of teams that don't have first-round picks and and who they may take. I'll throw some names out at you, and I'm sure that Rick and Josh will love them, so we'll we'll breeze through that at the end of the show. But now let's start at the top, where we always start. Panthers on the clock. There were no trades in this mock draft, just for um, simplicity's sake, but that's all right. So we'll just go through. It'll be me and then Josh and then Rick will be the general managers of these teams, and we'll make our selections like we always do and see what's what. The Panthers had the first pick by uh, virtue of trading up with the, the Bears uh, a few weeks ago here. And I'm going chalk here. C.J. Stroud, quarterback, Ohio State. We don't have to spend a lot of time on that because we've talked it to death. So C.J.'s off the board, Josh. You're next up with the Texans. What do you like there? Yeah, I'm going to go chalk as well. I'm going to go Bryce Young, the quarterback from Alabama. There's been a little bit of buzz that, you know, maybe maybe Houston is open to some other opportunities. But I do think if Young is available, that's probably going to be their selection. All right, let's talk about that, Rick. So there has been some some media buzz, and you know, this time of the year, who knows how much truth there is to it. 
But I love media buzz this time of year. Media really buzz, do. yeah. I mean, it has to be true, right? Because we're talking about it. Yeah. And by the way, shout out to Thomas for for the the mock draft uh, big board he's got. If you're watching on YouTube, Debo never did this, and no. I'll be making a note in my uh, evaluations to the higher ups about how this went because Thomas is already making Debo look bad. By the way, this is a typical Rick move. When you're not around, he talks bad about you. <laughs> no, I do when you're with me, too. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. But, Rick, for real. So let's say that the Texans love Bryce Young, and let's say they have a mid-first-round grade on C.J. Stroud, just for the sake of conversation. Is there a world where the Texans uh, don't get Bryce Young because he goes number one, and they go in another direction, knowing that they have the number 12 pick and they could move up if they so choose to perhaps get a quarterback for – that better fits the value they have assigned to them. Yeah, no, what I I would do is if they are sold on Bryce Young, let's say, and Bryce Young goes first and C.J. Stroud falls to them, or let's look at this fine board that Thomas put together. Let's say they're in love with C.J. Stroud and don't like Bryce Young because he's too small and C.J. goes. So I can definitely see them potentially moving out to accumulate picks if they're not in love with any of these other quarterbacks. And then at 12, would you think about maybe if you have a mid-round grade on the, the next three guys and two of them are there, then you're thinking about doing that? If you like them. But yeah. if you don't, don't force your hand at taking a quarterback. I, I've done that in the past, and it hasn't worked out. All right, let me ask a follow-up to what you just said there. So let's say you have the picks two and pick 12 like the Texans do, and you come away with zero quarterbacks, and you know you got to go give the press conference after each pick, and you know the questions that are going to be asked, and you know when you go out to eat, fans are going to say, what are you doing? Does that weigh in at all? Well, you just got to go with what you believe in. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you're going to take heat because you didn't take a quarterback. And there's two franchise-type quarterbacks up top right now, or uh, I don't want to say alleged, but uh, projected. We as, don't know. We don't know. Yeah, as franchise quarterbacks. And hopefully you're never picking this high again. So you have to look at the opportunity to get a quarterback because you may not be this high in the draft again. All right, you're on the clock, Rick. Cardinals are sitting there at three. Two quarterbacks are gone. Uh, their quarterback is coming off the ACL injury, but it, it feels like with the new coaching staff and GM, they're staying put with Kyler. What are you doing at three? Yeah, this is a no-brainer. I'm turning this in with three-point seconds left uh, after Houston makes a pick, and you're going to – you have to go Will Anderson. Very good defender, probably best pass rusher. They need everything, and he's a no-brainer from a character standpoint, from a football character standpoint. So – First-time GM, first-time head coach, take the for-sure thing, and that's Will Anderson. All right, Rick, I'm going to ask you to do this, and you you can decline if you so choose because I didn't I didn't warn you about this, but, you know, 30 years NFL experience, I'm sure it's on the tip of your tongue. 30-plus, but go ahead. 30-plus. <laughs> Rank these edge rushers in the order in which you would take them if they were all coming out at the same time and they were all available to you. Will Anderson, Aiden Hutchinson, Chase Young, Nick Bosa, just based on college tape. Oh, Bosa, Young, Will Anderson, and Hutchinson. Oh, okay. Josh, what do you think? You agree with that? Yeah, I may have flipped Anderson um, and Young there, but you oh. know that's obviously hindsight. I don't have it prepared in front of me, but Bosa would be at the top. Okay. Both and and Rick, you didn't care that he had the core muscle injury and and called it a wrap after a couple of weeks. I, I I'm assuming you just said based off of tape, college tape. So I went off what I saw off college tape. Yeah, but his last season there, he only played he played until September, and then he had the the surgery, and then he said, "I'll see you guys in April." Right, and he was healthy, and then he went on to have a great rookie year, and then he's got an ACL he's coming off of and couldn't come back last year. Well, you'd like to, you like competitors. That's why I was asking that question. 
Yeah, but if you have a core muscle injury and you get surgery, there's not much you can do about it. <laughs> I, mean, I think I think he could have played if he wanted to. Is my point. <laughs> I think it's a six week injury. Oh, okay, there, Doctor Wilson. I know you've did the surgery and the rehab, and you understand it completely. I consulted with Eric Sugarman, and he told me that I was 100 percent correct. <laughs> I did not consult with Eric. Don't don't put that on Eric if you were oh, listening. Oh boy. <laughs> All right, now I'm on. I'm on the board. The Colts are picking here at four. I'm I'm Chris Ballard, and. Uh, now we get an interesting, very interesting pick there, Mr. Wilson. Things are getting interesting here. Josh, I want your initial reaction to the Colts at four, taking the quarterback named Will Levis out of Kentucky. Yeah, so your timing is very good because they had a private workout with Levis this morning. Um, you know, they continue to do their due diligence. They've met with all the top quarterbacks in this draft class, so that's not any indication as to where they may be leaning. Um but recent comments from Jim Irsay lead me to believe that they are more likely to take one of these rookie quarterbacks as opposed to broach the idea of possibly trading for Lamar Jackson. So sitting here, having the opportunity to take the third quarterback in this draft class, we can split hairs and talk about potential. But I think Levis still has a lot of untapped potential. So if, if Indianapolis is comfortable with what they've seen, they've obviously sat down. They've had interviews with these guys. If they like what they've heard. Go with the guy that you have a conviction about. And if if it's Levis, then I'm all for it. So based on our uh, four-school pro day tour, Rick, and we saw Josh at two of those schools, this would be sort of a draft day surprise, right? Yeah, well, Josh got hit by a ball that went wide right out of bounds. When that was hey, Ryan was there, too. I don't I don't know what you heard, but Ryan was standing there, too. I'm still – I still. by the way, my chest still hurts from just getting glanced by a, a, a college-wide receiver. That was not fun for me. Yeah. Well, yeah, you probably. I'm, I'm surprised you're still doing this podcast. Me too. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. That would require shoulder surgery, and for you, that'd be a week later. You'd be out there playing instead of a six month rehab. Thank I you. I do have a video of that rep too, so we can always uh, put that out here in a little bit. You see Ryan's shoes kind of scrambling out of the way, so you get a little. Do you have bit a video of it, Josh? I do. I do. I was yeah. I was taking a video when it happened. Oh, send that to me. I didn't know that. I was looking for it because uh, it was the, the athleticism will get to take your breath away there, Rick. But this is a draft day surprise. No, <laughs> me laughing at. Jeez. Uh, like uh, the pro day, the only pro day you ever attended yeah. at Syracuse. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the two things that get you going. Are you surprised that the, the Colts could take Will Levis over Anthony Richardson? I'm not surprised whatever happens in this draft. I wouldn't <laughs> do it. I'm not personally a big fan of Will Levis, but. I've been wrong. Everybody's been wrong. So if they have a conviction, take him. If he, uh, you'll know in three years whether he was a bust or he was a great pick. All right. Josh, you're up at five here. It is the Seattle Seahawks. Who are they taking? I have them taking Texas Tech edge rusher Tyree Wilson. Obviously, the other consideration here would be, do I take a quarterback? Do I possibly take Jalen Carter here, the defensive tackle out of Georgia? I don't personally know how they feel about either prospect. What I do know is that this is a franchise that has typically favored the prospects with traits, um, guys like Tyree Wilson. So I thought he kind of fit into the, the prototype that they've typically gone for, even though we're not accustomed to the, to them picking this early in the first round. So that's why I went with Wilson to upgrade their pass rush. So um, if you're making this pick, Rick, and you have Tyree Wilson, you have uh, Jalen Carter and Anthony Richardson on the board for the Seahawks, who are you taking? Yeah, I mean, Tyree Wilson's the safest and probably going to make the biggest impact, although he's going to take some time to develop. Then the only reason they're picking this high is because of the gift that Denver yeah. gave them last year. Um, so 
you should t- make sure that you take advantage of it. I think he has tremendous upside, uh, and he's a great kid. Uh, he's still coming off that foot. I don't believe he ran yet. I didn't have any results from his pro day. So uh, unless he's going to run before the draft or do something before the draft, but this is a safe uh, pick uh, on a very good football player that has a high ceiling. Yeah, the official report was did, did not test because of foot at the pro day. What do you got, Josh? One thing I was going to ask, Rick, um, we've heard all the reports that some teams have removed Jalen Carter from their board. I don't know if I personally buy him. Um, but my question is, is there a point in the draft process where there's a meeting where you all sit down and you talk about character concerns and injury concerns and you remove those players all at once? Or is it kind of throughout the process when something pops up, you just you just kind of put that on the board? No, you keep going through the meetings. I always would make a note of a guy that was going to come off the board after you get through your meetings, kind of get your board set. You bring your ownership in then, uh, and you have a, as I called, a big boy discussion, an adult <laughs> discussion on whether this guy is going to stay on the board or not. You lay out everything in the room to all the scouts, um, the coaches that are involved the ownership, everybody involved, and then uh, you have an, uh, a, a discussion, and then you decide as an organization whether you want him on your board or not. That's a good question, Josh. We're pretty good at this. All right, Rick, you're up. Detroit Lions are picking six. Okay, this one, I wanted to throw a little wrench in here because it's been boring taking a corner or a pass rusher every freaking time we do this. <laughs> so I went with Detroit Lions taking Anthony Richardson. Ooh-wee. Now, I know that there's a, a slim possibility or no possibility at all and slim probably left town, but you never know on draft day. And so I took Anthony Richardson here. One, let him train a year or two behind uh, Jared Golf. Two, you got uh, an offensive coordinator that's going to be a head coach very soon. It's excellent. Turned around uh, Jeff Jared Golf's. Uh, career and have him playing at a high level. I know they've done a lot of work on Anthony Richardson. Do they believe he can be the guy once golf is gone? Because even Dan Campbell said in a press conference that he's not going to be there in the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. So when you have an opportunity, because I don't believe they'll ever pick this high again, and this was a la LA Raiders gift to them, do you take an opportunity to take a potential franchise quarterback and have the luxury of having him sit for a year or two before he's ready to go, which he does need to do. And then you may have a superstar on your hand. So they have pick six and they also have a first round pick at pick 18, their original first round pick. And, you know, we talk about this all the time with top 10 picks, typically quarterbacks go to bad teams, but if you're the Seahawks who picked at five or the lions who pick at six, those are two great landing spots for young quarterbacks who don't need to play right away. So uh, I like the pick. I don't have any issue with it. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, I like the fit. I like a situation where Richardson can come in, kind of sit and learn for a year or two from a veteran like Jared Goff or a similar situation in Seattle with Geno Smith. I think that's kind of an ideal situation where he comes in without the pressure of being this first-round pick, being asked to save a franchise in his rookie season. So I do like that fit. I think it's good for not only the Lions to get some long-term stability at a reasonable you know, financial rate, but it's also good for, for the player to develop in that kind of a situation. Yep. I'm with you. 
Number seven, the Raiders are on the board. They have Jimmy Garoppolo. The quarterbacks, top four quarterbacks are off the board. They could go edge rusher here if they wanted to, or even cornerback. Their defense has, was, hasn't been very good recently. Instead, I had them taking uh, Ohio State left tackle, Paris Johnson Jr., played out left tackle in 2022. 2021, he played right guard, so he has that position flexibility. And we talked about it on yesterday's podcast, me, Rick, Pete Prisco, and, and Lige Ducible. Uh, about the athleticism that he brings to the table in addition to that versatility. I think he helps this team immediately. He plays from the start, whether it's uh, a tackle or guard. And the whole idea is to protect the quarterback, so you can do that. You got uh, Josh Jacobs coming back on the franchise tag, and, and then you go forward because you're playing in an incredibly tough division. So that feel like a pretty easy pick to you, Rick, or are you going somewhere else? No, that's easy. All uh, right. Yeah, you better take the best offensive lineman. Uh, maybe not the best offensive lineman, but the safest left tackle, uh, yeah. which is a need for them. Uh, I do think Broderick Jones has a higher ceiling. I think Skaronsky is a better overall player, but can he play guard or left tackle with his short arms? But this is a, I, I'm not going to argue with you on this one either. I'll take it. All right, Josh, you're up. The Falcons are picking at eight. They have Des Ritter. They signed Taylor Heineke. Four quarterbacks are off the board, and the rest of their team has a ton of questions. What are you doing? Well, I think the fact that they do have a ton of questions kind of opens up the board for them a little bit. So had a similar thought process here with not knowing how they feel about Jalen Carter uh, possibly mm. staying in the state. So I went with Christian Gonzalez, the cornerback from Oregon, to pair with A.J. Terrell. You get a couple of lockdown guys um, in the secondary there. That's how I'm going to build this defense moving forward. Have a couple of guys that are going to be able to capitalize on the plays made by Grady Jarrett. They added David on David Onyemata this offseason. Uh, Arnold Ebiketti, hopefully he takes the next step in his career this upcoming year. So you have a couple of ball hawks in the back backfield that uh, can really take advantage of some plays. Rick, a, a more general question about a team like the Falcons. Let's say we're, we're talking about a team that has the Falcons personnel and have struggled in recent years, and you're sitting there at eight, and you can have the best cornerback, maybe the best offensive tackle, or Jalen Carter. Uh, do the analytics tell you which player gives you the most wins, so to speak, going into the next four or five years, or is the situation you're just looking to fill uh, the biggest hole? Yeah, you're trying to fill the biggest hole, but you better – the analytics are going to tell you uh, – a lot, they, they did a great job, and what we were able to do is eventually clone players based off of their intelligence scores, based mm. off of their psychological scores. So his mental makeup plus his combine numbers equate to this. Now you tell me, they say what you see on tape, that's your job, but our job is telling you his makeup is similar to player X, whoever gotcha. that may be. Nice. That's actually, I, I learned something there. Thought I learned everything you had to offer. I just learned something new. I uh, just opened up. Uh, I didn't open up Pandora's box to you yet. You got. I got to slowly feed you, just like I <laughs> Pete, which was horrible yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rick. Back to you. Bears are picking at number nine. They traded down. They have a lot more picks now, and they have a quarterback. And uh, they've done pretty well in free agency, but they they got a lot of things to sort out as they go into the season. Yeah, this one I think is where the point you cannot. Because you're at number nine, and Jalen Carter is the guy that I'm going to take here uh, because he, he did visit with Chicago, what I read, or is going to visit with Chicago. He is uh, – they qualified because they're in a the top ten. So, <laughs> How did you feel about that comment that he wasn't going to visit? Uh, that that was 10. horrible. I, I totally disagreed with it because if I was picked number 14 
and I wanted to move up into the top 10, I can do that. But if this kid's going to deny me the opportunity to come visit with us, uh, then I would have a ma- another major red flag. He's uh, Jalen Carter, there's no question. I think he can be a perennial pro bowler if he's right. You're asking yourself in the draft meetings, how much of the resources do we have to devote to just one player when we have 53 others? And is this kid that special that we're going to take all of our resources, life skill resources, everything that goes along with it to make sure we can keep this player on track? So no question about his ability on the field. It's all the red flags off the field, the nine pounds overweight, couldn't finish the workout. Uh, sounds like the legal system or the, all the legal stuff going on is resolved and, and that's a team will make a decision whether they feel comfortable with that or not. Uh, there's some other things that I've heard on the road that need to be addressed with this player. But if you take this player, you put the proper support around him, then you're going to get one heck of a football player, probably the best player in the draft. When no, I, I, I and, Yeah. And then you got a defensive head coach who have said in the past that the three technique, uh, the under tackle is the engine that makes the defense go. And you're getting one that's pretty unique. And those are hard to find. Yeah, you've said that before as well. You mentioned just hypothetically, like if you're sitting there at 14 and you're thinking about trading up for him, you can't get him in the building for the 30 visit, that you know upsets you. But if you're sitting there at 14, he refuses to come visit you, and he's still there at 14, you're probably taking him or no? Not if I don't have all the answers I need. No. Oh, interesting. Okay, fair enough. All right. So if Jalen Carter didn't go nine, he almost certainly would have gone 10. I'm Howie Roseman picking for the Eagles at 10 with Jalen Carter off the board. I'm going with uh, – uh, pre-draft process riser in Lucas Van Ness. Uh, we were at the Ohio State Pro Day, and there's a lot of buzz about Van Ness there, uh, about how good he did at his Pro Day. And there's a chance he goes in the top 10. And, you know, we, we've talked about this, Josh, in terms of hasn't really flashed on tape consistently. He didn't start, and that's sort of how they do things at Iowa. Are you any farther along in, in coming around on Lucas Van Ness? Uh, in terms of the tape, no, but in terms of his potential, obviously he checked the box with the athleticism to go along with the power that he did show on tape. So I understand buying into the potential. I also look at the Eagles here at number 10 overall, you know, hearing that Jalen Carter wasn't going to take any meetings outside of the top 10 kind of leads you to believe that he got some kind of an assurance from either, you know, the bears or the Eagles that he may, you know, be taken by those teams if he were available at that point. I also can't help but feel that Howie Roseman, who loves a good deal, uh, may be somebody to monitor if if a Jalen Carter were to still be available there at number seven overall to possibly move up with these extra draft, this extra draft capital that he has acquired uh, to get a player like Carter, who you've got N'Kobe Dean, you've got Jordan Davis in that defense, you've got a couple of familiar pieces, you have a strong infrastructure with veterans. I kind of wonder if maybe that's a scenario where Roseman moves moves up the board to get a player like Carter. Hey, Rick, let me ask you about something that Josh touched on there. If Lucas Van Ness hasn't started a ton of games and he doesn't flash on tape, how are you to the point now where he's a top 10 pick? Uh, I think all the, 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 the stuff that's coming back from the character, the football character, the passion for the game, the intelligence, the work ethic, everything that tells you that he has not, reach his full potential, but will do everything he can to reach that. And if you see a high ceiling with this guy, which I believe there is, 
he plays multiple positions up and down the line. I mean, I saw him at Ohio State. He was outside. Then I think Wisconsin, they moved him into like a five-tech and sometimes even a three-tech. Sometimes they rushed him over the center. They move him all over the place. But if you settle him in one spot uh, and get him going uh, with an NFL coach that believes in him and is an excellent uh, teacher of technique, that you could be hitting something. And I've heard out there, I didn't see it on tape, but there's some people comparing him to a J.J. Watt. I get your attention for sure. And J.J. Watt actually – go ahead, Josh. I was going to say, I think age kind of helps him in this way too, because if we're talking about a redshirt senior that's 22, 23 years old, maybe you're not as comfortable with taking a chance on that kind of an upside. Whereas you got a younger prospect like Van Ness, who's probably still, you know, has been growing into his body and still has some untapped potential. Yeah. I had a scout tell me he could gain 15 pounds. Looks like pretty easily. And then he's only to your point, pretty young, barely shaven was what he said to me. So all those things and you know, the stuff that Rick mentioned is, it's certainly why he's much higher than he was back in November, for example, when he was still not starting uh, for the Hawkeyes. All right, that's the top 10. Then we're going to take a quick break and come back and hit picks 11 through 20 right after this. All right, Josh, you're on the board. You're the new Titans general manager, uh, Rand Carthon, and your quarterback's 35, going into the final year of his current contract. Four quarterbacks are gone. What's your plan? Yeah, the four quarterbacks are gone, so the decision was made for me a little bit. I chose to address the offensive line because I think as a unit, that's probably one of the weaker spots on their roster. So I took Northwestern's Peter Skaronsky, a player that has played left tackle for the Wildcats, but somebody that you know has been yeah. talked about having shorter arms. He's potentially going to be asked to move inside by some teams, depending upon how they feel about those shorter arms. So in this situation, we get a quality player that – could possibly play right tackle. He could slide into the interior offensive line no matter what. Tennessee has a spot available for him along that offensive line, so I'm taking Skaronsky. Rick, are you starting Skaronsky with his 32 and 5 inch arms at tackle and then moving him inside, or are you just going inside immediately? I think that's a discussion that you have in your draft meetings and how how your offensive line coach, how your coordinator believes, because we have these discussions all the time on can he play left tackle. And, you know, we mentioned yesterday in a podcast, I thought he was uh, Matt Light had short arms and went on to play three Pro Bowls in New England. Um, even Slater, his partner that came out a few years ago, had shorter arms. Uh, he's ended up being a pretty good left tackle for the Chargers. So if he can't, and you could maybe able to get an indication of that during your OTAs uh, and, and part and training camp, and then if you, you feel that, He's not going to be able to do it. Then slide him in at where you think he's going to fit. You got plenty of time before the season starts to find a spot. But maybe start him there if that's what you believe and see if he can play left tackle and, and watch him through the OTAs and and see. And then if not, then you know you're going to have to move him inside. But either way, you're getting a heck of a football player. Are there any things you do in the private workout that folks don't see in the pro days or the combine that gives you some indication about that ability or no? Yes, but they're private. <laughs> duly noted moving on all right <laughs> you're up rick you're you're back up so at pick two the texans took bryce young they're on the clock again at 12 what are you doing to help old bryce there well i've been going quitting johnston for a long time and then you know my my new guy that's rising up the board because i think he's the surest safest pick 
uh, is Jackson Smith and Jigba. And, yep. you know, what he's done at the Combine, the routes you see him run, the way he catches the ball, although you didn't see it this year, um, how he worked out at the Ohio State Pro Day. Uh, he just keeps answering questions that everybody had on him. He's completely healthy with his hamstring injury. So I'm going to go with a guy that I know can play in the slot, could probably do a little bit outside. When he ran the 4-5 at the Ohio State Pro Day, that was fast enough. He's going to be an excellent football player. I heard some comparisons out on the road that a lot of people think he's Jarvis Landry. There was another comparison that I haven't heard. So uh, I'm going to go with a a guy that I know can come in and play right away, Uh, polished route runner, very smart. Ohio State staff speaks very highly of this kid. He's probably another no-brainer as far as uh, when you're talking about boomer bust. This guy, there's nothing, there's not a lot of question to this guy. Just get him on the field and get him going, and get him going with your new young quarterback. So let me ask you this, Rick, because let's say he did everything of the combine that he did in real life. Let's say he caught passes from C.J. Stroud during C.J.'s throwing session of the pro day, but let's say he didn't run the forty. Where would you be, Adam? Where would you be at on him at that point? Probably a little bit more concerned. I yeah. probably would maybe lean towards Quentin Johnson, but because he ran and he verified that he's fast enough, yeah, um, that that just solidified his draft status for me. All right, great, love it. Pick thirteen. The Jets are picking here, and I'm making the the selection as Joe Douglas. I'm taking Georgia offensive tackle Broderick Jones and. Look, we don't know what the quarterback situation is. I'm assuming it's going to be Aaron Rodgers at some point now. If it's not, they're still going to have to have someone play quarterback. And the big issue is where Mekhi Becton is going to be in his return to the field. And right now, you, you can't trust that he'll be healthy. Elijah Barry Tucker's a, a good player. Max Mitchell's a good young player. They have Lincoln Tomlinson. Uh, Dwayne Brown's still on the roster, but do you want to put someone out there who, who's at that age and, and not have a backup plan? So uh, Rick talked about Broderick Jones earlier, and he may have the most upside of this group. And, you know, Rick talked about this yesterday on the podcast, how enormous he is in person that he doesn't necessarily pop on tape, but he's a big young man. And when we spoke to him at the combine, he actually said going up against all those first round picks on the other side of the ball, he questioned whether he was any good early in his career. But at the end of the day, it probably paid off uh, and, you know, benefited him to get him where he is now. Yeah, well, that's he's a he's a big, fine young man. Not big, just fine big young man. man. That's what you got. to I was wondering why you were laughing. Fair enough. All right. Another young man's going to make a pick for the Patriots here. That would be Josh Edwards. You're up for the Patriots at 14, Josh. Yeah, so the run on left tackles has already happened. I would have loved to add a player that has a little bit more experience on the left side of the offensive line, but I am taking Tennessee right tackle, Darnell Wright. I'm going to plug him in on the right side. You've got Trent Brown that has exposure to both left and right tackle over the course of his career. As of now, they're probably going to have to move Trent Brown over to the left side. Um, You keep Darnell right at right tackle. You don't want to sacrifice a long-term plan for a situation where you may be moving on from Trent Brown after this upcoming season anyway. So for the upcoming year, you've got Trent Brown on the left side. You've got Darnell right on the right side. Now we are able to employ this running game that has five different options that they could possibly hand it off to and no more clarity at the quarterback position. So lots to still sort through in that Patriots offense, but we're feeling a little bit better about the offensive line. Well, first of all, Josh, future Hall of Famer Mac Jones will be the quarterback. Second of all, I want to ask you, Rick, is this too high for Donnell Wright? Who no, this, this is the uh, player that there's a lot of buzz out. I okay. mean, I, I read today that he had visits to the Bills. He had visits to the Bears. 
He has, uh, I think, 20 visits lined up. So this is someone who is, everybody seems to be hot on the trail after. And like we talked about yesterday, when he shut out Willie Anderson and played well this year, because I didn't think he, I thought he was a Saturday pick when you watched him at left tackle. But how he played this year, and he's a man, uh, plays physical, very strong, limited athlete. If he failed at right tackle, I believe you can pull him, uh, put him in at guard and play him. So this seems to be the hot name out there right now. Uh, and I think a lot of teams see him as a plug-and-play guy if they select him. All right. Good job, Josh. Pick 15. Well, I thought, wasn't that a good job, me digging up some scoop? That was great. Absolutely. Right. I, I don't get comments. I don't get uh, compliments. I was going to say thank you for finally carrying your weight on this podcast, but I didn't want to just come out. I was going to text it to you. I didn't want to say it out loud. <laughs> that was great. I appreciate the hard work you're doing. You were uh, you were appreciated on this podcast. I got the same script that you got, so I just read from that. Change the names. All right, you're up, Rick. Packers are picking 15, and if you listened or watched the podcast yesterday, this young man was number one on one of our lists. Who'd you take, Rick? Yeah, I took uh, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, and I struggled with it, to be honest with you. The tight end. The tight end. Uh, I think he's a good player. I think he'll be a solid starter in the league. I just don't see something exceptional with him. I understand he makes some incredible catches in contested situations, but he's always going to be in contested situations. And then I uh, was watching some tape on these guys again yesterday before the podcast, just because I knew we were going to talk about him, and I put Kincaid on. And some of the things Kincaid does in the passing game is ridiculous. But why are you worried about Kincaid then? Because he's got a broken back. And <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Okay. I walked into that hasn't one. worked out yet. <laughs> okay. Two uh, points for you. So, uh, <laughs> and I'm going off of Green Bay's history, never taking a receiver here. Yeah. So I'm going to still continue with that because I maybe – Jackson Smith and Jigba would have went here potentially, but they do have two outside guys uh, that they drafted last year. Um, so, and Quentin Johnson's an outside guy. Right. So I went with a safe pick, another good football player, uh, better football player than he is athlete. Um, you know, so I, I just went with, although a branch came into my head too here, Ooh. and I Ooh. went back and forth between those two, and I ended up, giving, if it is love as their quarterback next year, giving him another weapon to throw to. That's a good point. Brian Branch hasn't gone off the board yet. And part of me, this I haven't talked to anyone just thinking about it. I, I do wonder if the 458 is going to be one of those things that teams keep discussing as we get down the stretch here in terms of where he gets drafted. Rick, you've talked in the past on the podcast about why Travis Kelsey uh, didn't go earlier. And part of that was he was undersized, I think is what you said. Do you remember at all why George Kittle didn't go earlier? Yeah, he he. Uh, there were some things that came up in the background, nothing significant, uh, but he was undersized. Uh, gotcha. And any tight end coming out of Iowa uh, usually has a bad ball drill, so they don't have um, a lot of opportunities, but they do take advantage of. But I don't think everybody thought that Kittle um, was going to be the receiver he was. Gotcha. Uh, but Kittle ran just like Laporta, who I know we're not talking about, in the four fives at the combine, just like uh, Laporta did. And so um, that's why I think Laporta has a chance to maybe 
be one of the better, if not the best tight end out of this whole class. Yeah, Sam Laporta, tight end in Iowa. I had him going. I think I had him going to the Packers in my latest mock draft in this pick right here. Um, so that is interesting. Pick 16, the commanders are on the clock. I'm making the pick. And they need cornerback help, and this has been sort of a recurring theme. Uh, they they do have some 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 young guys, Benjamin St. Juice out of Minnesota, which I'm sure Rick knows very well. They have Kendall Fuller. I don't know how much more he has left in the tank. He might be in the final year of his deal. Cam Dantzler, formerly of the Vikings, is, is there. He has some injury history, uh, I believe, in Minnesota, Rick. So I went with Joey Porter Jr., the long physical cornerback out of Penn State, ran the four five one at the Combine. I know he wasn't happy about it. That's plenty fast for the way he plays. And Rick, you and I have talked about this before. He's incredibly handsy downfield, but you said that's one of the easiest fixes uh, in terms of making the transition from college to the NFL because you, you got coaching to, to sort of address that. And coaches put on boxing gloves on them during practice, so they stop grabbing. There you go. Problem solved. All right, Josh, you got my Steelers at 17, and I wonder if the commander should have taken this player. Who do you have them taking? So I have been taking Illinois cornerback Devin Witherspoon, a player that we kind of questioned what his speed was going to be at the next level. I think he certainly checked that box at his pro day recently uh, to go along with this tenacious spirit that he brings to the football hey, what's field. The, what's the speed, Josh? You didn't give us the speed. Uh, I want to say it was a 448, I think I saw unofficially. BMAC texted me earlier said he got 439. Oh. Rick, do you have the official number? You said you got thousands of pages of. Yeah, but he just ran it. Mine was last time I had it updated was as of March thirty first. Then he oh, just okay. ran the tweet. Yeah, according to BMAC, yeah. so somewhere between a four three nine and a four four eight. I'll check um, my sources. Continue on, Josh. Yeah, so I think he fits into this culture that Pittsburgh has had over the years. You have this, you know, tenacious bulldog on the football field from a Heinz Ward to a Joey Porter throughout their careers. I think. Witherspoon brings a little bit, bit of that to the football field. He is willing to play down in the flat. He's he's good in man coverage. He's intelligent, so you can trust him in zone. Just a really well-rounded football player that I'm going to trust Mike Tomlin to coach up here on the boundary. So, Rick, uh, this is what, I don't know if BMAC wants to be telling this, but I thought it was out there. Maybe this is a private workout. He ran between 4.39 and 4.4, and he weighs now. He's up from 181 at the combine to 185. That's fine. Four pounds. I mean, I've seen you eat four pounds of food in one sitting when we were on the pro day. <laughs> Shout out to Denny's. <laughs> and again, Rick gives me a hard time about the Denny's excursion. He did eat one of my face size pancakes. So let's just make sure we're telling all the it's truth. 10 o'clock at night, I get something light because I don't want to be up tossing and turning all night. And he goes with the Denny's Grand Slam Plus. Yeah. the pl- I got the plus. It was good, man. Can't beat it. 13 bucks. Check it out. They're not even a sponsor. All right, Rick, back to you. You're picking for the Lions again. This is a weird uh, happenstance here. So the Steelers take Devin Witherspoon, the cornerback out of Illinois. The Lions took a quarterback with your first pick at number six, Anthony Richardson out of Florida. Who are they taking at 18? Well, I was disappointed that uh, Josh took Witherspoon. Um, So I probably would have been a little mad in the draft room because Porter (laughs) and Witherspoon both went off. But we have to have a plan B. And I took Miles Murphy, the edge from Clemson, um, who is a fine young man. We yep, sat him on the, uh, uh, up there at the combine. Very intelligent, uh, extremely intelligent, maybe too intelligent, uh, but came up there and, and was first class all the way. The, there's not a lot of buzz on this kid. He keeps kind of fading. He hasn't run a 40 yet, still saying his left hamstring supposedly he was supposed to run a 40 here this week. Haven't seen any reports on that yet. Nope. 
So he hasn't run. So he's been kind of one of those guys that are falling down the draft board, but he had too much upside to me. And so uh, I ended up taking him here uh, at 18, but he may continue to fall in this draft. Hey, let me ask you something. So I'm looking at his numbers here uh, from the pro day and he didn't run, like you said, six, four and um, six, eights, two sixty eight is what he weighed long arms, 33 and six, eights inch arms, but his hand size is eight and a half. Do you care about that for a defensive lineman? Cause that's small hand size. Yeah, that's small. That's like a uh, tiny hand Burger King commercial size hands, <laughs> <laughs> but that you need, I mean, hands are important when you're trying to get off of blocks, right? Yeah, no, it's it's more heavy handed, but the length is more important than okay. the hand size. Yeah. All right. I want to so think they have a deformity too. Who knows? I didn't note in my notes that he had a deformity because sometimes some of these guys they may have a left pinky that points inward, so they'll try to do the opposite hand. It just has small hands. Yeah. Jeffrey Akuda had that deformity you were talking about. He talked to us about it. They measured his wrong hand and he wasn't happy about it. What were you gonna say, Josh? Yeah, I thought I had seen some numbers from KJ Henry and Miles Murphy's uh, second pro day. It looks like he did run the forty. It was a four-five-two unofficial, um, twenty-yard split, two point six, ten-yard split, one point five five. Okay, I'm ha- very happy with this pick. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank you for the update, Josh. Rick, you did mention that you were angry that Devin Witherspoon just went off the board. Have you had that experience in the draft room? And if you had, how angry does Rick get? No, I don't get mad. I mean, okay. because I have Plan B. We always have three names on the board and okay. we're taking number one, number two, number three, and we're happy with all three. So, um, but I would have loved to have Weatherspoon. And if that was our only option that we loved him that much, I probably would have made a call or two to try to jump. Gotcha. If I knew there was going to be a run on corners, we did that with Delvin cook uh, with, you know, when we thought that uh, there was going to be a run on running backs in the second round, I remember talking to Dalvin cook, uh, the day of the draft and on uh, Friday and just wanted to make sure I checked all the boxes with him one more time and was thoroughly impressed with that conversation before the draft started. So that's why we decided to move up and get him. Yeah. And, and Rick will attest to this when he, he has an opinion about a player after watching him and then he talks to him, that opinion changes. Hendon Hooker's a good example of that. He he's a, he's a Hendon Hooker fan now, which you I can was think. always a Hendon Hooker fan. I just thought he was even, better when yeah. you meet these kids and understand what's coming in your building that just solidifies what you're getting and it I, solidifies that okay this guy's going to be i'm gonna call him an overachiever do everything he can within his power to make sure he reaches his full potential taking right. the coaching and everything else okay fair enough i'll take that as you giving me a compliment for introducing you to Hendon hooker thank you no oh. i'm not <laughs> All right, pick 19. We got to move on, Rick. The Buccaneers are on the clock. I'm making that pick for them. I'm taking Osiris Torrance, uh, the offensive guard out of Florida. And I say guard in a funny way because yesterday's podcast, Pete Prisco brought this up. Maybe he can play right tackle. And if he goes to Tampa Bay, where it sounds like Tristan Wirfs may move to the left side, maybe try Torrance at right tackle. Either way, he's a day one starter at guard. Would you even think about that, uh, that idea, Rick? Put him at right tackle, see what you have, or just put him at guard and go on with it? Uh, I think it, it depends. Like I thought he moved very well in the pro day we were at. Yeah. He moved better, but in film, uh, watching him on, I didn't know if he had the, uh, movement skills to play out at right tackle. Although you can get away with a guy that's a little limited athlete, athletically, but 
the thing that comes up in the draft meetings is, okay, we think this guy is going to be a potential Pro Bowl guard. And he's a very good football player at that position. If we move him to right tackle, is he going to reach that same potential Pro Bowl potential? He may be a good starter, but he could be a Pro Bowler if you put him where he's played. So why take, uh, we call them blue players. Why take a blue player and play him out of position when he can be blue at the position he's at? No, that makes a ton of sense. Thank uh, you. I like, thank you Does that make sense to you, Josh? It makes sense, yeah. Thank Josh, you. Josh is daydreaming. <laughs> he's, he's already bored with us. No, All right, I, was, Josh. I was looking it up because I think I thought Torrance played right tackle a little bit, maybe a couple of years. Max Mitchell may have been hurt or something. So I was looking to see if I had that uh, in my notes, but I, I don't have it in front of me. Well, you know what? I'll look it up while you give us pick 20. You're back on the clock for the Seahawks. The Seahawks picked Tyree Wilson at five. You were the GM for that one, too. At pick 20, what are you doing, Josh? I'm taking Clemson defensive tackle Brian Brezzi, a player that has the athletic profile to be a really dominant player at the next level. He just hasn't put it all together throughout his collegiate career. Um, and if you hear you know, what he went through over the past year, you certainly give him a little bit of grace as to why he did not reach that potential. But we look at what Seattle did last offseason, upgrading the offensive line with a couple of tent poles. You've got uh, Charles Cross on the left side. You've got Abe Lucas on the right side. Now, over the past two years, Seattle has added Boye Mafe. You've got Draymond Jones in free agency. Now you're adding Tyree Wilson and Brian mm. Brezzi. That is suddenly a strength for that team as you're moving forward and you're really trying to compete within the NFC. And I talked to the – I was on the Cover 3 podcast yesterday with our guys, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Bud Elliott, and they do college football and high school football 12 months a year. And I asked them specifically about Brzee, how he was before the tragedy and before the injuries, and they said he was unstoppable. And if he can get get right, and that's a lot to ask, obviously, given the tragedy he went through, but get, his, get back to where he once was, this could be uh, one of those picks that feels like – all right, Josh, you got to help me with the name. Who was the the player the Titans drafted that had the ACL, um, the interior defensive lineman, a couple years ago? Oh, Mississippi State. Yeah. Oh, Jeffrey Simmons? Could be a Jeffrey Simmons situation where, okay, he gets hurt and he falls down the draft board, but when he's healthy, he's he's uh, all gas. And I love Jeffrey Simmons coming out, less so with Brian Brzee because of the things you talked about. Um, but, oh, quickly. Osiris Torrance in 2021, 46 snaps out of about 800 snaps at right tackle. So you you were right, Josh. It was so against has, Texas. There you go. Look at that. Teamwork. All right, we're going to take another quick break, and then we'll do picks 21 through 31, and then I'll give you a little added bonus about teams that don't have first-round picks and who they may target. All righty, pick 21. Rick, you're on the clock. You got Justin Herbert. You got new offensive coordinator, Kellen Moore. What are you doing? Yeah. I think they they could go a bunch of different directions. I even thought about Bijan Robinson mm. here. So I know that Eckler once traded, but they didn't trade him. So I went with a another receiver to give uh, Herbert another weapon and Quentin Johnson, the receiver from TCU. And the reason I did that was because Keenan Allen's going to be 31 years old. Uh, Mike Williams has durability concerns, uh, although he's pretty good when he's healthy. But they need some more offensive weapons. Um, and I decided to go with Quentin Johnson. He was just too good to pass up. I think he's a big receiver. Ran okay. I thought he was going to run faster than he did at his pro day. I think he was around 4-5 or five at his pro day, if I, if I recall. Uh, but I think this guy has some electric with a ball in his hand after the catch. 
and he's going to give him a big play threat. So let me ask you about the, the, the Austin Eckler thing. So when a player or his agent says, I want to be traded and he's an integral part of the offense, what, what do you, what the, what's the conversation you're having? Uh, I don't, I don't know if he's in the, is he in the last year of his comp of his contract? I'll check. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. If he is, and he wants to get paid and running backs know they have a, uh, pretty short shelf life, but unless, uh, you know, I may, because he's in the last year of his contract, Hey, you can go out and check, but okay. I'm going to cut it off at this date before the draft, because yeah. if I do trade him, then I know I have to address the running back situation. Uh, but if we're not getting the value that we think you're worth, then we're not going to trade you. Yeah. Last year's deal. He's 28 and it's a four year, $24.5 million deal. So, you could argue he's underpaid. His base salary is six point two five. Would you uh, entertain renegotiating for a year? I, I don't know how they feel about his durability because he's a smaller back in this style of play. Because he is a violent runner for a smaller back. Gotcha. Um, so those are the things that you're considering, and then you're looking at your analytics. Technically, when does a back hit the wall age um, where they're all of a sudden they start to decline? And I can understand why he wants to get traded because he wants to get one more contract before he falls off that edge. Yep. Makes sense. All right. Pick 22. The Ravens are going to take advantage of the chargers, not taking B. John Robinson. So they're going to take the running back out of Texas. We have no idea what's going on with Lamar Jackson, uh, but they do have issues in the run game that could certainly use some addressing. Uh, they have JK Dobbins coming off the ACL. He didn't look hundred percent last year, but he'll probably be much further along that path. Looking like he was pre injury as we go into 20. 23, but he could use some help. They have Gus Edwards and, and Justice Hill as well, but those guys aren't every down backs. I think Bijan brings another element to this offense defensively. And you could go wide receiver here, but Quentin Johnson just went off the board. So instead, they take a top 10 player, if we're being honest about it, and Bijan, he just plays a position that's been undervalued. Josh, you are the Vikings at 23. Again, a team looking for a quarterback, but they're in no position to take one here unless they trade up. What are you going to do? So I had them taking Maryland cornerback Deontay Banks, give them a little bit more length on the boundary. They signed Byron Murphy this offseason. So you're upgrading the back half of your defense there with uh, with Murphy and now Banks. But you've also got a couple of young guys in that room to continue developing as well. So it could possibly turn into a position of strength, depending upon how those players develop. All right. I like it. I like Deontay Banks. I think Rick does too. 24, the Jaguars on the clock. And Trent Bauke, as played by Rick Spielman, just explained to us that he's worried about a player having a broken back. So, Rick, tell us, who are you taking at 24? A guy with a broken back. <laughs> Dalton Kincaid. Now I'm not worried about it. It's down here at 24. Tied in out of Utah. All right, go ahead. Yeah, uh, because, Ryan, you were very selfish to take Broderick Jones, and <laughs> Josh was even more selfish to take Darnell Wright. Yeah. 14, I have no other options at tackle. In my opinion, uh, Antone Harrison, uh, I didn't think was worthy of a first-round pick, okay. so I'm not going to reach there. So I know I have Evan Ingram. It's one year on a franchise tag. If I was able to reach a contract extension with him, I probably would not have made this pick. Uh, but since he's only on a one-year deal, I like I said, this kid, uh, Dalton Kincaid, may be the best receiving tight end in this year's draft class. It's going to give uh, Trevor Lawrence another offensive weapon. And so that's why I decided to go with him. No, I like it. I, I think it makes a lot of sense. And I could have gone corner, but you guys were selfish taking all the corners too. <laughs> Fair enough. And, you know, Anton Harrison's going to be interesting to tackle out of 
uh, Oklahoma because there are some folks around the league that like him in the first round, and no one is talking about him. So we'll we'll see how that plays out. But you don't like him in the first round, and you're not alone. But some other teams do, and that's that's part of the process. That's why we're doing these things, I guess. Pick twenty five, the Giants finally spent some money this offseason. They didn't really do it last year, and they had a great season, won nine football games. Brian Dable won Coach of the Year. Saquon's coming back. Danny Dimes got his deal, played really well, the best uh, best uh, season of his career under Brian Dable. And I'm going to keep fixing the offensive line. Their biggest hole right now is at center. So I'm taking Rick's favorite person uh, potentially in this whole entire draft. <laughs> John Michael Schmitz, the center out of Minnesota, former wrestler, incredibly smart. Lige talked about, Lige Duzel, excuse me, talked about yesterday how smart he is in terms of making all the calls to the line of scrimmage. He comes in right away and starts because he's good enough, but also because they don't have uh, any real options there. So they're getting Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, former first round pick, Evan Neal, last year's first round pick as right tackle. And now you're getting the center of the offense, another first round pick to help that offense take the next step. Josh, Cowboys on the clock at 26. What are you doing? So my final two picks, we've reached the point where I cannot stomach a few players still being available, and this is one of them. Uh, Brian Branch, the safety from Alabama, an incredibly intelligent player that is capable of being the green dot in that defense and lining um, up that defense. So I'm going to take Brian Branch, incredibly accountable, like I said, intelligent, somebody that is going to be able to add some accountability to that that Dallas secondary. Is that 4-5-8 going to hurt him at all, do you think, Rick? No, not here. He plays too well. He plays a lot faster than that. Okay. That's what you got to be careful of, time, speed versus what you see on tape. And in this case, this guy, even though he didn't run as fast as you may have wanted, he's fast enough, and he plays a lot faster, and he's he's too good a football player to pass. All right. You're 40, next times, 40 times are important, but there is a lot of value in reaction time as well. If you're taking a player that runs faster but reacts much slower – I'm going to take the guy that reacts a lot quicker all day. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I love Brian Branch, but the four, five, eight, six out. And I do wonder yeah. how those conversations will go in draft rooms. All right, Rick. You're They're the going very well from some of the people I talked to. Okay, good. That's great. Brian Branch seemed like a great guy. You know him certainly better than, than we do, but our conversation with him was, was a nice one. A fine young man. Yeah. <laughs> the Bills at 27. Who you got him taking, Rick? Oh, boy. I wanted to take a linebacker here. Because um, Drew Sanders, I know I, I was torn between Drew Sanders uh, to replace Edmonds, but I went with uh, Zay Flowers. Uh, you don't seem certain about it. I, I think I'm certain about him as a football player. I just uh, was going back and forth, and that would be a, a major discussion going all the way up to draft day if mm-hmm. Drew Sanders and Zay Flowers are both on the board. And if Buffalo were having these conversations, and they may not, I don't know. But this is a situation where you're going to go back and forth on, and the room may be split on, hey, we need a linebacker, or hey, you know, and then they have a defensive uh, head coach that may want the linebacker, that may weigh in on it as much. But I'm giving them, I think they were missing a slot receiver last year, Zay Flowers, plus some return skills. I know they traded for uh, Hines, uh, and I think they redid his contract, so he'll be back. Um, but I think he can give them a legit punt returner and another playmaker for Josh Allen because I think they needed another playmaker at the receiver spot. Yeah, I've heard especially from a couple, in the slot. I've heard from a couple sources that think Zay Flowers has a 
will be a first round pick and has a chance to be the first wide receiver, which would be fun. I think he's visiting the Patriots. I saw a report of that today as we tape this and they pick at 14. So, I mean, that sounds high, but who knows? They need wide receivers for sure. Pick 28, the Bengals are on the board. The Bengals have been pretty busy this offseason in, in a good way. They, they've lost some of their safeties, of course. Uh, they filled with some of those needs in free agency. They got uh, Orlando Brown Jr., which is a huge addition along the offensive line. No and, pun intended. Yeah, pun intended. And I'm taking Rick's guy here, George Kittle 2.0, Sam Laporta, the tight end out of Iowa at 28. They lost Hayden Hurst. They signed uh, Irv Smith Jr., who did have some injury history. history. Uh, when he was with Minnesota, Devin Asiasi is now on the roster, the former third-round pick that didn't work out in New England, also at tight end. But I think Sam Laporta, based on the things that Rick talked about earlier and his ability to play an offense where the quarterback can actually throw the ball and get it to him, could be uh, a special player in the right system. And this certainly feels like the right system. All right, Josh, the Saints have a pick now because they traded their head coach to Denver. They're now on the clock at 29. Yeah, like I alluded to with the Cowboys pick, uh, this particular player I don't think is going to be available at this stage in the draft. So I have them taking Georgia edge rusher Nolan Smith, a player that is a little bit unconventional. He may not fit everybody, but somebody that is going to upgrade any team's pass rush, be a little bit of dynamic ability off the edge. So I have them taking Smith here. Uh, In a lot of my mock drafts, I've had them taking uh, Georgia, uh, Georgia Tech defensive end, Keon White, because that seems like the kind of player that yeah, uh, they've targeted over the past five years. But with Smith still available, I had to go in this direction just because he's such good value. No, I like it. I like it. Rick, you're back on the clock for the Eagles. They're picking 30th. I, they, I'm going to throw a zinger in here. We have right, this guy. Let me tell you, at pick 10, they took Lucas Van Ness. At pick 30, what are they doing? Well, Lucas Van Ness, if they took him at 10, which I, I should have remembered that. If, but if you did the mock draft in any way, shape, or form, there it is. The there same it is. Person that uh, have multiple picks, the same teams, but that's for another day and time to discuss. So that'll be in the post draft conversation. <laughs> so I've got Vanessa, who I think is going to be a five tech or an inside. So it's going to help for the defensive tackle spot, which they desperately need. They lost Hargrave. Um, and then I am going to go with Will McDonald, the edge rusher from Iowa State. But they and, play different positions, and they do, they're do they asked to do different can things. Can I finish my explanation, or are you going to cut it off again? Sorry, I was trying to support you. Go ahead. Rude. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. The reason why I went with him, this guy has been spiraling up through this whole pre-draft process. Uh, flashed down at the senior ball. Uh, had a really good combine. He's got almost 34, almost 35 inch arms. Uh, he's weighed up to like 240 at this pro day. He was 6042, 245, uh, uh, and may uh, be a rotational guy. Uh, Robert Quinn, that they traded for last year, did not do anything for him or really help them in that trade. So he may not even be on the roster by the time the season starts. So I went with – I would have took Nolan Smith, but again, Josh mm. was selfish mm-hmm. and uh, looking out for no one else but himself. <laughs> so I uh, ended up going with Will McDonald, edge rusher from Iowa State, who I think – has a very high ceiling and reminded me some of Reddick. Ooh, we okay. 
Yeah, his his um pro day numbers are they they in a four seven. I don't know if you mentioned that as well. Uh, six eight five three cone. Sweet mercy, that's moving. Okay, all right. Yeah, what do we talk? We talked about the three cone drill, right? What was Mayor's? Which uh, it was, was seven two four or something like something that. like that. So that gives you an idea. These are similar. Mayor weighs about ten pounds more, about the same height, but this guy is incredibly quick in terms of short area quickness. Yeah, change and, direction. Yep. He he was as fast as some of the receivers in this draft in that drill. Again, and that's why you, you go through the whole process. That's why Rick likes to be the pro days, Pete Prisco, so you can see these guys in person and do these things and get an idea. All right, we're to the last pick of the first round. The Chiefs are picking 31, and I am taking the aforementioned offensive tackle from Oklahoma, Anton Harrison. Uh, they need some offensive line help. They have Juwan Taylor they signed from the Jaguars. It looks like he's going to play left tackle. Uh, he played right tackle in Jacksonville, played right tackle in Cl- College of Florida, maybe. What happens is Anton can play on the left side and Joan can stay put and uh, they can go forward doing that. So that's the first round. And Thomas, I'm going to quickly go through the five teams that don't have first round picks and, and let you know who I have them drafting. This is from my recent three round mock draft. And you guys can just quickly give me a thumbs up, thumbs down, because I got to go do HQ in 10 minutes. At 36, Rick, the Rams are taking Kalijah Cansey, defensive lineman out of Pittsburgh, to pair him with Aaron Donald. Okay, well, they'll get smashed in the middle, but other than that, they'll be maybe able to rush the passer. They won't be able to stop the run at all. That's fine. Uh, th- they can take anybody. They need everything. So okay. I'm not going to argue with that, although you're really small at the defensive tackle position. Yeah, fair enough. I was just doing the Aaron Donald comparison because I know that Rams fans might like it. All right, Josh, pick 51, the Dolphins, Cody Malk. Sure best for the team instead of what the fans want. Yeah, that's how you get re-signed. You do what the fans want. You, you never lose. <laughs> <laughs> is that not true? <laughs> yeah. All right, Josh, 51, the Dolphins taking Cody Malk. He played offensive tackle at North Dakota State, probably going to play guard or center uh, in the league. What do you think about that pick? Yeah, I'm good with it. I like the player, especially at this uh, particular pick. Uh, when you look at what they have invested into this team over the past two years, significant investments. Bradley Chubb, you bring over Tyreek Hill, you've got Jalen Waddell, the 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 linchpin in all of this is the health of Tuatanga Vailoa. So I don't think that you can invest too much into that offensive line. I think adding a player like Mock, who um, is is probably going to move in sli- inside, uh, would be a good value at this particular point in the draft. All right, uh, Thomas, I forgot to put this on the rundown, but I, I missed a pick. Pick 67, the Broncos are on the clock. And Rick, I have him taking Jervon Dexter, defensive tackle out of Florida. We saw him last week at the Pro Day. He looked fantastic. The question is, motor from play to play 67 sound about right yeah yeah okay. that's, yeah they need depth definitely at the defensive tackle position all right pick 74 josh i have the brown sick and ty j spears running back out of tulane Ugh. <laughs> how dare you sir josh doesn't seem to like it either he's a brown uh, yeah i've got let's see um ryan i respect and appreciate all the work that you do uh, everyone's got jokes all right fair enough all right, no, it's not a joke. We really do respect. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I will. Uh, I will take that as red then. Um, pick ninety nine, and I'll just talk about this one. Forty ers take Dalton Wagner off the tackle out of Arkansas. <laughs> what are you laughing at? He didn't go to Syracuse. <laughs> What's go ahead. Name? I'm sorry. So this is going to be the uh, replacement for McGlinchey. Here's the thing. I watched him late in the process, and I was like, oh, this guy can play a little bit. He was going to be on my Just Good Football Players 4.0 list that we weren't able to get to on Monday's podcast, but we will get to at some point. So um, hopefully you guys 
we'll have a chance to see him. I'm sure Josh has already seen him because he's seen 500 guys. Uh, but a pick 99. I don't get. I don't know who the hell you had left on your three round mock, but if there was a corner there, or um, especially since they lost Jimmy Ward and uh, Emmanuel Mosley, they there's got to be a defensive back in there somewhere because there's some pretty good corners. I don't know if, if Rush is gone by now or if... How about, uh, how about Eli Ricks? How about we take Eli Ricks there? Uh, Too soon? Maybe. Tyreek Stevenson, uh, Miami? Yeah. I mean, you start looking at some of those guys, I think, just because of the hole they have in the secondary okay. that they have to fill. So I may have leaned towards that than reaching for a tackle that's a Saturday prospect. Although we're the 99th pick. Yeah, I mean, what are we doing? (laughs) All right, I got to do HQ. That's a wrap on episode 34. Remember, give us a thumbs up if you're watching on YouTube. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a five-star review. Thanks, as always, to my guy Rick Spielman and Josh Edwards. Thanks to producer Thomas for filling in for Debo yet again. And, of course, thanks all of you for watching and listening out there. Have a great weekend. We will see you guys Monday. Nice work, Josh.